G'day and welcome to Partake. You hear by the sound of my voice that my voice is deciding not to cooperate with me. And so for today I've created a compilation about Jesus and it may well be that next time will be a second set about Jesus. I hope that both will stimulate your thinking about him as we together as Christian disciples think about the importance of the incarnation to the world. Thank you. I wonder what your name means. People generally name their children for the hopes and aspirations about what their child will grow to become. For example, the name John means the gift of God. I know somebody called Grace, and her nature is that of somebody full of grace. Nigel means the champion. My wife's name means forever beautiful, and she is. There were some remote tribes in New Guinea who knew no English, but called their children after some English words that they had heard, and they liked the sound of, but without knowing the meaning. One such name was tinned fish and somebody else was called second gear. My name of David means beloved and when my parents named me it was meant to symbolise the very love that they had for me. Although when I put a cricket ball through the kitchen window or the time I crushed the vegetable patch whilst running after a football I did not feel very beloved afterwards. When Jesus was born his name meant the very reason that he was born. His conception was extraordinary at every level and so important is our understanding of the conception and birth of Jesus that no fewer than four angels come to give us a full picture of the event. Do you think that his parents Joseph and Mary or God his father ever gazed upon him wistfully and thought how misnamed you are. They did not, because they knew that the very purpose for which he was born, his name means one who saves, or a rescuer. His entire birth, entire life and death were centred around this very role. His role was to save all those who would follow him. He is the most talked about person in history, Almost everybody has an opinion about him. He was born to confirm God's promises and to reveal God as a father and to be our representative before him. In doing this, he gave us an example of how to live a holy life to the full. He was not merely a man who received some special power, as some people think. He was not some strange creation that was somehow half man and half God with his human nature somehow absorbed into the divine. Was Jesus just a good moral teacher as some people think? The ancient Greek philosopher Socrates offered how we ought to live as a working definition of moral. So did Jesus' teaching reflect a good way to live? And if it did, what did he teach? Jesus' moral code 
revolving as it would have done around the part of the Bible we call the Old Testament, can be seen in do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Some people refer to this as the golden rule. However, Jesus, as ever, goes further than anybody else and says that it is not only the outward actions of a person that makes them morally good, it is also the internal attitude behind it. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, people such as Gandhi hold it as a paragon of virtuous teaching and regard Jesus as a great teacher. Although this is the best known teaching of Jesus, it is also probably the least understood and certainly the least obeyed. And whilst Gandhi and others like him can see the Sermon on the Mount as a call to peaceful demonstration against provocation, this was never Jesus' intention regarding this teaching. It is, as somebody once said, a picture of God's alternative society containing the standards, the values and priorities of God's kingdom. It was this that Jesus spoke in the sermon, not as a general guideline for a pagan 20th century pacifist to wallow in comfort and boundless joy. Jesus was a good moral teacher, certainly at least to his followers, but was he more than this? To claim that Jesus was merely a good moral teacher is really a foolish thing to say. Nobody could do or say the things that Jesus did and not be God. He would in fact have to be who he said he was, or he was either a liar and or a lunatic. That Jesus was alive or that he was a man is not really disputed. The primary documents about him, found in the Bible, state that he was born of a woman, which in itself tells us that at least in a prenatal state, he was nurtured and formed and that as any other male baby was and it is. His genealogical line is given and he grew into maturity as any young Jewish boy did. With his humanity, he exhibited normal human emotions such as love, weeping, sadness, anger and anguish. Jesus ate and drank as we do. He had a body and a soul. Jesus grew tired. He slept and perspired. Jesus died just as all mortal people do. Religiously, he worshipped as a Jew. Not only these facts, but the four biographies or Gospels in the Bible written about him all acknowledge his humanity. He was human in every way that we are, physically, mentally and emotionally. The only exception to this is that he was sinless, and yet we must ask, could Jesus have sinned? Yes, he was tempted just as we are, but could Jesus really have succumbed to temptation? We must conclude that while he could have sinned, it was certain he would not and did not, for if he had sinned, he would have been part of the problem and needed his own rescuer. But why did Jesus need to be fully human? Firstly, so Jesus' death could appease God's anger with us. Secondly, so that Jesus can empathise and pray for us. 
thirdly, Jesus exhibited true and perfect humanity. Fourthly, due to his perfect humanity, Jesus was and is to be our example to follow. Fifthly, true human nature is good. Lastly, while God is both above and beyond, he is not so far removed from us that he cannot interact with his creation. The coming of God into the baby Jesus and the birth of Jesus is what we celebrate at Christmas. One of the church fathers Anselm wrote that God's salvation plan for humans involved triumphant victory over sin, over death and the grave. However, no person could be found that was eligible or capable of doing this. And because of this, God stepped into human history so that this victory could be achieved. This God-man would be fully human, so as to live every feature of humanity, including suffering and death. However, this God-man would also need to remain fully God, so as to defeat sin, death and the grave. Jesus, being sinless, was this God-man, consisting as he did of two complete natures, the God-nature and the human nature. How is that possible, you may well ask? Well, if you take a pint of milk and you pour the milk into a milk jug, the milk remains milk, although it is now in another container. In the same way, God inhabited a human body thereby still being God, but also being human. And throughout the Bible, Jesus is acknowledged as God. The Apostle John expressly calls Jesus the Word, or God. Later on in his life, John expressly stated that Jesus was the true God and eternal life. Jesus himself claimed equality with God, and when he stated, Your sins are forgiven, some of the Jewish rulers attributed this as a God alone thing and thereby accused him, at least in their minds, of blasphemy against God. During the questioning when he was on trial for blasphemy, again Jesus equated himself with being God. That Jesus is both human and divine is what makes Christianity truly unique amongst the world's religions. It is why Jesus' claim to be the only way to God are true and they make sense. And it is why millions of people today worship him and acknowledge him as both their Lord and their God.